All right, verse 10, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Jesus Christ is talking to the church of Smyrna, and he says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And last Sunday, we went through the five crowns that are promised to the believer. But what I want to finish off the church of Smyrna is point out that he says, uh, Be faithful unto death, and that, guys, we're... We've got the Bible because people died to get us this Bible. And uh, our, whole, our whole faith started with tribulation with martyrs. And this is Stephen. Uh, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this into their charge. And when he had let, said this, he fell asleep. So the first martyr recorded in the Bible would be Stephen. And uh, that's, the, that's the church history is martyrdom. And it's very unique to be living in the Laodicea period, 1900 up to where we're living in 2017. It's very unique. And as American Christians, we're very unique in church history because we're not persecuted at all. Period. If somebody disagrees with you, that's not persecution. <laughs> somebody gives you a friendly look, somebody gives you a finger, that's not persecution. We're talking about being beat, being whipped for what you believe. There's other Christian brothers and sisters in Christ today that are done that way over in Afghanistan, Syria, uh, all over the world, they're being killed and beheaded for the name of Jesus Christ simply because they believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And we never need to forget that. we got brothers and sisters. So as American Christians, we got this idea that we're so special. We're not special. And uh, we're never going to be special as long as we're, we've got... So we're spoiled children of God. And being a spoiled children of God, of course, that makes us a lot of us brats. And we get to heaven, we're not going to be first, we'll be last, I promise you that. And uh, these brothers and sisters are getting their heads cut off, their wives are getting raped and beat up just because they believe in Jesus Christ. You, don't, you think you're going to beat them in front of them, in, in the line? You're not going to beat them in line. You'll be at the back. Uh, now, we've got rewards coming to us, but this church history is a church history of blood. And here's, it might be hard to see, but this is a picture of John, I mean, of, of Paul as he was persecuted and beat up, and then, of course, he was stoned, and he ended up getting his head cut off. The first drops on the trail of blood, and this, is a, this was a little booklet put out by Carol that was called The Trail of Blood, and it basically showed there's a lineage of the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood of martyrs all the way up into modern-day times, and it was persecution by the Roman Empire. That was the, ten, the tribulation, ten days. The uh, Persecution by the Roman Empire, persecution by the Roman Catholic Church when the church married the Roman Empire, persecution by other believers. John Calvin was known to burn people at the stake, kill them. Uh, these are persecutions that were done by Bible believers. When you look at church history, you'll find some church history tries to deny that there was Bible believers. But there's always been a line of Bible believers that, was, that shed their blood for the Bible and for the faith of Jesus Christ. While the church, Roman Catholic Church, was, was holding power, they were still Bible believers. They were known as Monetists, Paulatians. They were known as uh, Donatists. Here were, uh, there's, uh, the, uh, uh, in Wales, the Waldensians. Uh, here they are right here, the Waldensians. These are all Bible believers, just like me and you. They believe that you, you don't get baptized until you put your faith in Jesus Christ. They believe you're saved by grace plus nothing. Everything we believe, that's what they believe. And they were killed and murdered for that. And this is a history of that. Now, this book up here on the, I put on the Lord's Supper table. It's called The Martyr's Mirror. Look at this sucker. 
This sucker is as big as a dictionary. It's nothing but martyrs for Jesus Christ. These are all people that have been martyred for Jesus Christ, recorded in history. And, of course, the most famous one is called Fox's Book of Martyrs. You ever have a chance to read that? I've got a couple of copies of it. Borrow it from me. Just kind of read through that. And it tells you stories of people being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. 99 out of 100 times it was going to be the Roman Catholic Church that was putting them to death. But we have a trail of blood that, follow, that we've, been, we've been walking on. Uh, here's the Apostle James being beheaded in, in A.D. 45. Y'all know that story out of the Bible. He was said to have been beheaded. Here's another picture. This is all coming out of the martyr's mirror. There's some, some drawings. Uh, there's Philip being stoned uh, in AD, A.D. 54. There's a picture of him being stoned. Here's a picture of Apostle James, the lesser Apostle James, being stoned and clubbed to death. That happened in Jerusalem, supposedly. Some of this is history. Some of this is supposed history. Here's Barnabas being burned. 60, he, he's being dragged and burned. A lot of them were burned. We saw they were thrown to the lions by the Romans. Uh, the Mark the Evangelist. We believe who wrote the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark. There he is. He's dying. He dies on the way while being drugged, dragged to the side of his burning. A lot of them were crucified, burned, stoned, heads cut off. Here's Peter. And this is all uh, speculation. We're not, we don't know this for sure, but they, the speculation is that Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. And, and the story goes that when Peter was being crucified for his faith in Jesus Christ, he says, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy. To be crucified like my Savior. And they crucified him upside down. That's a, that's a trail of blood that we're walking on, guys. Uh, Apostle Paul beheaded. We know that, that he was beheaded by Nero in A.D. 69. Uh, the Apostle Andrew was crucified. You notice these are all the disciples. These are all followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is Thomas. He was tortured by the natives in Columbia thrown into an oven and then stuck through with spears. And that happened in A.D. 70. And Matthew, the evangelist, his head was, he was pinned down and then he was beheaded in Ethiopia in 70 A.D. These are all, all, the, all the guys you read about in the Bible. They all ended up martyr's death. Simon the Zealot was crucified in Syria. And here's the apostle Matthew, crucified, stoned and decapitated. Luke, the evangelist, hung from an olive tree in Greece in A.D. 93. All these are just... Uh, different believers in Jesus Christ, some of these you know from the Bible that have been crucified and tortured and killed and their blood shed for Jesus Christ. And that's the, that's the trail that we walk on, guys. So you know when you have, you have this Bible in your lap, it's a bloodshed book. This book, there's people, men and women, who shed their blood to get this book into our hands. And we let dust settle on it. And we, we put it up on the shelf. That's why I'm such a stickler. When you get to reading this history, like the Martyr's Mirror, you get to reading the history of Fox's Book of Martyrs, it gives you a greater appreciation of the Bible. It, gives you a greater, it gives you, makes you want to say, okay, these guys are willing to die for this. I better read it. And God, God's given us this. And guys, I'm warning you that this is coming to America. Uh, there's, uh, there's, this stuff's coming to America. It, 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 the persecution started. And there's people that literally would kill us if they could and cut our heads off. They hate you. They hate everything you stand for. If they hate Trump, and he's, he, he's, he's not even a Christian in my mind. He's a nominal Christian if he is a Christian. Now, I know some of y'all might argue with me about that, but here's a guy that thinks it's, it, it, well, we won't get into all that. But the point is, is that here's a guy that they, they can't stand Trump. They literally want to blow the White House up. They want to kill him. Madonna, 
all the, any of these people that you, these these, uh, these stars and movie stars and music stars they can't stand Trump. So if they can't stand Trump, what do you think they think about us? If they was to run into you, what the way you believe about homosexuality? Because Trump supports homosexuality. What, what about what the way we believe about homosexuality and the way we believe about Jesus Christ and how He's the only way? Yeah, they would kill you in a in a millisecond. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's got. A, he's got. He, I've got pictures of him at home holding up a holding up a LBGT flag or what you call it, QT flag. Yeah. He. Uh, you know. He's trying to. He's trying to. They're trying to change some of those transgender laws, which would be great. And uh, th- that's a stepping them all out of bounds. But he's still. He had. A, he had a queer stand up at the, at his speech and give a speech. One of the Republican queers and stuff like that. That's why Caitlyn Gender, the, the uh, transgender, came out and supported him. Because he, he does support what I call queers. I've gotten in trouble for saying that before. But they're queer to me. So. It's, queer, it's queer like a duck, brother. Amen. Yeah. Pardon me? No, sir, they can't stand the truth. And uh, my, 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 my idea is not just com- coming from the Bible. It's coming from human nature. It goes against yeah. nature. It goes against nature itself. But, all right, well, you that's... You go out into nature, and it's one becomes, I don't know how to put this. Yeah? Queer. Yeah? The rest of them jump on and kill them. Yeah. Now, that ain't no lie. I've yeah. seen Good morning, guys. All right, so let's go to the look at look at the book of Revelation, chapter two. Look at verse twelve. Let's start off the chart the, the church of Pergamos. So Jesus Christ has told John, "I'm going to write you these letters, and I want you to send these letters to these seven churches." In the book of Revelation, there were, these were seven literal churches, and I haven't written up, up up here on the board. These seven churches literally existed, but they they represent doctrinally they represent church history. They not only represent a church, but we can glean from us some some Christian uh, some Christian uh, doctrine. But we also can glean from their church history, Church of Pergamos. So look at verse verse uh, twelve. And the angel of the church in Pergamos, and, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos, right? This is Jesus Christ saying this. These things saith he which hath the short with the sharp sword with two edges. Now, what's the sharp sword with two edges? The Word of God, that's the Bible, that's the words of God coming out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. So it says there in verse 13 that not only does Satan have a seat, but there's a place that Satan dwells. See, Jesus Christ just takes it for granted you believe in a being named Satan. Amen. Now, in the modern day world will say there's no such thing as a devil, there's no such thing as Satan. Well, Jesus Christ assumed you, you knew he was real. And the Bible says that he was a roaring lion looking whom he could devour. He's out to get you. So he says that he's not only real, but he has a place he sits at and he has a place he dwells at. And we'll get into that in a minute. But the Church of Pergamos, here's the modern day pictures of the Church of Pergamos, I mean, of Pergamos, and what it looks like. This church period is going to be. From, we're going to say this is from 325 A.D. to about 500 A.D. And I've got this written up here on the board as Pergamos. 
Uh, these are all, these kind of, these overlap, so these aren't set in stone. This one here is 325, and I'll show you why we think for sure it's 325. But Pergamus has a, the word Pergamus, the name Pergamus for, this, for the church, it translate as, translates as much marriage. Pergamus means much marriage, which is real interesting because in this time in church history for Pergamus in 325, this is known as the time that Constantine rose up. Constantine was an emperor, and Constantine was a conqueror. And you can't see it on this, with this transparency, especially with the lights on. But right there, underneath here, it says, Constantine, in this sign, conquer. In this sign, conquer. And that's, uh, that's, Constantine was an emperor, and he became a Christian. But it, we wouldn't call him a Christian today. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't a Christian in anything but by name. And there's a lot of people like that in America where they, they say that they're a Christian, but they're only Christian by name, but they don't, they don't have any kind of fruit at all that, that has anything associated to do with the name of Jesus Christ, but they still say, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's what happens a lot of times when you deal with people about their souls. They just assume if you're an American, you're a Christian. You know, that's what, that's what they assume. Constantine was known for this. He was an emperor, and when he was conquering, and this is all church history, and this is all history, not just church history. Constantine looked up to the sun up to the sun before the battle, and he, he's at this great battle, and saw a cross of light above it. He saw this cross up there like this. But with it, with the Greek words, and these Greek words say, in this sign, conquer. And Constantine commanded his troops to adorn their shields with a Christian, with a Christian symbol. Now, this supposed Christian symbol was a Cairo. Right? C-H-I... R-H-O. It's called a Cairo, and thereafter they were victorious. So he made them all put this symbol supposedly on their shields. They went out and they conquered. And he says, Jesus Christ, Jesus led me to conquer. He's with me. So this is where you have this, uh, in Pergamus we call it much marriage. This is where Constantine marries the church and the government together. In America we call it separation of church and state. Amen? That's what we believe in, separate... Well, they believe in the marriage of church and state. They believe that the government is the church, and the church is the government, and they're run. That's a Roman Catholic system, guys. That's what the, when you look at world history with uh, France, with England, all these kings and these different... Bloody Mary came in, and she was a Catholic. These different people, it's either a Protestant or a Catholic, and they're, they're either being run by the Pope, or the Pope wants to run the country. It's all trying to control the great crusades. That's the, that's the Pope trying to take his army and trying to conquer Jerusalem and the fighting the Muslims, the Muslims coming in fighting the Catholics. That's all. We don't have a government down here. Christians don't have a government. Our home's up in heaven. Amen. Our citizenship's up in heaven. We only have one king, and that king's not here right now. Amen. He's up in heaven named Jesus. Now, there will come a time that our king will come back as king of kings, lord of lords. Yes. Then we'll rule and reign with him, but until that time, we're martyrs. We're supposed to just sit here and we're, we're supposed to just be, be part of what we're supposed to be as Christians, but we're not necessarily trying to conquer. Now, this, this Cairo symbol, you've probably seen this symbol right here. Have y'all seen this symbol? All right, that's a Catholic symbol. That's not has anything to do with Protestants. Protestants, Protestants. Now, Protestants, when I say Protestants, what I mean by that is Protestants is somebody who protested, protest, protested the Catholic Church. So, when you, when you talk about Christianity, a lot of people say there's, two, there's two, part, two sides of Christianity. There's the Catholic Church, and then there's the Protestants. And what it means is that there, there was a Catholic Church, and then after about 1500 A.D., when Martin Luther protested the Catholic Church, which Martin Luther was a great man of God. 
Martin Luther was one of the great men of God. He protested the Catholic Church, and he wanted to, he wanted to change the Catholic Church because he realized the Catholic Church was wrong. You're saved by grace plus nothing. That's where you get the Catholic, the Martin Luther started the Lutheran Church, the Lutheran movement. That's a Protestant. Now, as Baptists or as Bible believers, that we, we would call ourselves Bible believers. People label us as Baptists, but that's okay. Bible believers, we were never protesting. We were outside of the protest. In other words, we, were out, we always had the Bible. We were never part of the Catholic Church that came out. We were never part of the church. So that's, that's where they get messed up. So true, true church history is this. There's a Roman Catholic Church, which are not true Christians. There's the Protestants, which are true Christians. But then there's these others, and they were called monetist don- donations. They were called people of the book. That's Bible believers. That's me and you. And that's all church history. But this, this right here is the chi row. It's a monogram. It's the, chi, the, the chi and the, the row, the X and the P. See that X and the P? And they put that X in that P. And that's the first two letters of the Greek name of Christ, Christos. Christos right there. You see that right there? I don't know if you can see that where you're at. And there's the X and the P. That's where they get the idea of putting Xmas. And they say it's okay to use the word Xmas because it's just the first letter of the, of the name of Christmas. And that, that, using Xmas is one of my pet peeves. Don't use Xmas. You're taking the name Christ out of Christmas. Don't use Xmas. That's just that's nonsense. But that's where they get this symbol. And you'll see it on the Catholic. Here's a, here's a Catholic bishop that's got the symbol there. There's the Pope, the last Pope. There's that symbol there on his cross he's carrying. And Hakan Sano Venice in this sign conquer. So that's what we're not conquering anybody down here as Christians. So you know that's nonsense to begin with. Amen? We're just we're spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? We want Jesus Christ to reign in our hearts. We don't want to reign over you. And we don't want the, we don't want the Baptists or anybody else to reign over anybody. Uh, we're a Christian first and then we're an American. I'm proud to be an American. And I have a flag. I, I love being American. And I'm proud to be an American. But I'm a Christian first. Okay? So... Don't, you're not an American Christian. You're a Christian American. Okay. So if I, if I there's brothers. These, some of these brothers over here have visas that makes them. Uh, this guy here's got a visa to be an Israelite. This guy over here's got a visa to be a Canadian. They they feel like they're Canadians. Brother Bowman's he's a, he's an Irish. Even though he's born in America, he's over there in the missionary field. He believes he's Irish. Brother Lethard, he's Filipino. He wants to be a Filipino. He wants to be a national. Those are our missionaries we're supporting. Those guys, they're not American Christians over in Ireland. They think they're Christians, Irish Christians now. They're, they're, cat, they're Christian Canadians, Christian Filipinos. That's how they feel in their heart. But they're Christians first, and then they're wherever they're living. Because this is not our home. Amen. All right, we got that. Amen. All right. So what happened in 325 A.D.? They had the Council of Nicaea. This is a great, you'll hear this in church history. You'll hear this on an A&E channel, history channel. This is the great turning point in church history. It was called the Council of Nicaea. And they got together, and Constantine got together with some bishops and some other religious rulers, Christians, and he tried to make a, the marriage of church and state. And what he wanted to do was he wanted them to get together, and we're going to have these people who are ruling over other people. Remember, this is the laity, the Laodicean. I mean, not Laodicean, the Nicolaitans. So he had set up the Roman Catholic system as we know it today. It was set up in the Council of Nicaea in A.D. 325. It was the rise of Roman Catholicism as we know it today. 
A lot of people think Catholicism has fell off, and it has fell off from where it was in the 1,500 A.D., but Roman Catholicism was still real powerful. The Pope is very powerful. We have, we have an ambassador to the Vatican. The Vatican, the Vatican has an embassy. The Vatican is, it's, the Roman Vatican, it's, got, it's, a, it's a government within itself. Uh, we've had presidents go over there and kiss the ring of the Pope. Bow down and kiss the ring of the Pope. That's ridiculous. Amen. He's no more special than me and you. Okay. Amen, brother. So, uh, but th that's the Roman Catholicism that you know today. That's where it was started in the Council of Nicaea. It's a marriage of church and state. Now, here's a picture I got off the internet. The American Jesus. See, he's got the American flag. He's got a Henry rifle. That's a, that's a Jesus people love right there. <laughs> See that symbol right there? That's a homosexual symbol. He, they got it marked out right there. That's another symbol that homosexuals like to use, an upside-down triangle with a pink triangle. So, in other words, he's, like, he's anti-gay, he's a real American, he's a Henry Rifle. That's not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is not American. Now, we were just talking about this. Remember, there's Christian brothers and sisters in Christ who are dying over in Syria getting their heads cut off. The women getting raped because they believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a, Christ, Jesus Christ is a Savior for the whole world. So we've got to get, we got we got to break that cycle of thinking that Jesus is this American Jesus. And that's what I'm trying to say. That's a, that's a marriage of church and state. When, when America does something against the Bible, which it's been doing for years and years and years, that's why I always say I'm a Christian American, not an American Christian. Here's another picture. It's like, he's like, the, uh, like George Washington almost, almost looks like George, has an American eagle on his arm. He's got, he's got like a Gatling gun he's carrying right there, you know. That's why they like, to, they like to perceive Jesus like that. Jesus Christ never promised you that you're going to have a right to own a gun. The only thing Jesus Christ promised you is you have a right to carry a cross. Amen. Pick up the cross, deny yourself, and follow me. I'm a gun lover, and I believe in gun rights. But if they're going to come and take my guns as a U.S. government, I'm not going to die for my guns. Now, if they come to take my Bible, I, that's when I'm going to draw the line. That's why, you know, y'all have seen me with my car. Sometimes I got that bumper sticker that says, you can have my King James Bible when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. And that's a takeoff on that old bumper sticker about the guns. But that's how I feel about it. And I'm not trying to force that belief off on y'all, but that's how I feel about it. Because that Bible is more important to me than my gun. Okay. Amen, brother, I will. I'll just, I'll just paint it on the back of your truck. Is that all right? Yeah. So here's the faith temple. It says the rapture, separation of church and state. Amen. So when, we, when the rapture takes place and we're called out of this wicked world, and I think America's been wicked, we're going to be, sep we're going to be separated from church and state for sure right there. That's a, that's a good sign right there. So the marriage of heathen and Christian practices took place in A.D. 325. And this is where the church... And the heathens were married together. What Constantine wanted to do, what Constantine's main purpose was, he, wanted to, he knew Christianity was growing, growing bigger, bigger. They had been persecuting, killing Christians for, for hundreds of years. But they, he wanted to try to say, okay, if I can get the one religion, if I have one world government, okay, because this is the one world empire at the time, if I can have one world government and have one world religion, I can control everybody. See, that's his thinking. That's the thinking of the Antichrist, that's how the Antichrist comes in. He's going to have one world religion, one world government, 
one world banking system. See, that's an antichrist type of thinking. That's not how a Christian thinks. So whenever he, uh, he married these together, he married these Christian and heathen practices. This is, where, this is where you get the pagan sun god's birthday. The pagan sun god's birthday was on December 25th. When, which would now also be Christ's birthday, calling it Christmas. So they took, the, the, took, there was a sun god, and his birthday was on December 25th. They took his birthday, and they, they said, Jesus Christ's birthday, we'll put it as December 25th. That way the pagans and the Christians can all worship at the same time. And they were calling it Christmas. Now, if you're in here during uh, Christmas time, I still celebrate Christmas. I love Christmas time. So I don't want y'all leaving here thinking, oh, Brother Keegan's a JW. He's a Jehovah's Witness. You know, I love Christmas. But Jesus Christ wasn't born on December 25th. The Bible's real plain about that. And I showed y'all that he was born more than likely at the end of September. Now, the reason why I think it's okay to celebrate December 25th, his conception, when he was conceived, when Gabriel showed up and said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to conceive and his name's going to be Emmanuel, that was around December 25th. Well, the Bible teaches. Remember, y'all remember us going through that study? Okay. So I don't want y'all to think, I'm kooky, but I'm not that kooky, okay? Now, one thing about it, though, there was heathen practices, and he was trying to merge it together. You ever wonder about a Christmas tree, where we get the idea for a Christmas tree? Uh, that's a heathen practice, and I'm not trying to get you to take all your Christmas trees down. I love the look of a Christmas tree, but according to the Bible, that's a heathen practice. Look at Jeremiah chapter 10. I'll show, I'll show you a Christmas tree in, in Jeremiah. I don't want you, don't take my word for it. What does the Bible say? Amen. What does the Bible show us about this stuff? So uh, this is some of the stuff that, the heat, that they were doing back here. You ever wonder where, where we get the idea for Christmas? Where did we get the idea for Easter? Where did we get the idea for a Christmas trees? A lot of this stuff was heathen practices, pagan practices that was melded together with Christianity because Christianity was powerful, guys. Christianity's most powerful what we would call a religion ever, that's ever been. We're talking about a man named Jesus Christ that never picked up a gun. Jesus Christ never had a sword on him, and he conquered the world. Amen. We're still meeting today talking about this man, Jesus Christ. Some of y'all had to get up, clean up, take a shower this morning, come into church to talk about a dead Jew that died 2,000 years ago. Well, that dead Jew just happened to be the Son of God. He's amazing. Amazing. But look at Jeremiah chapter 10. Look at verse, uh, starting verse 1. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. So this is heathen practices. Dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. That's talking about astrology, horoscopes. That's, the, that's what they're doing. I, there's a guy I work with that he reads his horoscope every day, and his day is determined on what his horoscope says. That's why God says, don't do that. God just tells them, don't be dismayed by what the stars and the signs. And that's what the heathen do. Okay? But look at verse 3. For the, talking about the heathen, God says, For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth the tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Now, guys... That sounds a lot like a Christmas tree to me. <laughs> that sounds a lot like a Christmas And God says that's what the heathen are doing. That's vain stuff. I'm just telling you, this kind of practice, this kind of vain practice of putting up a Christmas tree, nobody even knows what it means. And I've had people say, well, that means it's the tree of life. and That's all nonsense. It's a, it's a pagan custom. I'm not telling you not to do it or to do it. 
I'm just showing you out of the Bible what the Bible shows you. How this stuff came about, why we're in the state of condition we are as Christians. And it all started way back here in 325. Here's another thing that was going on. There's Ishtar, the fertility goddess. And the fertility goddess, which is eggs and rabbits, was merged with the resurrection of Christ, and it came to be called Easter. So all this stuff's coming about in the church history at this time. Well, they're taking Ishtar, the goddess, and what, what do you, when you think of fertility, what do you think of? You think of rabbits, you think of eggs, I think of cockroaches. <laughs> I can't help it. I, I, I just think you can't kill cockroaches, they multiply. You, get, you, ever, uh, you bring, uh, one time I brought, a, my son bought, bought something from somebody, and he, it was in a little box, and he brought it home, and he opened up the box, and it had like three or four cockroaches in there, in the house, and I freaked out, I was like, whoa, he, and I, it had all these cockroaches in there, and it just disgusted me. We, were, we, we got infested with those things. It took us for a long time to get all the, and we had to put all this powder out and do all this other stuff. That's why I said, I think of fertility, I think of cockroaches. <laughs> but eggs and rabbits, see, that's why, uh, we don't have any kids in here, but an Easter bunny don't lay eggs. <laughs> I mean, I it took me to be, I was in my 20s before I started thinking this stuff through, you know? <laughs> like, what, what, why is an Easter bunny, what the, but that's because it comes from the fertility goddess Ishtar. It's a pagan practice, and it was they're trying to get the Christians and the pagans to worship together. So let's get the sun god and Christ on the same birthday. Let's get the resurrection. Which, the Christians are going to worship the resurrection. We're going to we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So let's get the, they're going to say let's get Ishtar together, and they'll just make merge them together around the same time, and we'll call it Easter. Which Easter sounds a lot like Ishtar. Now, if you go on the internet. You study some of this stuff. Some people are going to claim Ishtar is not Easter, and Easter comes from a Western, comes from the Germanic language, and they'll come in all this other stuff. But the truth is, and I believe, everything I've got up here is what I believe is why I'm putting it up here, that, that it is tied together. Because you can't deny that, there's, it, it, that people go out thinking about the Easter bunny and talking about Easter eggs, and it has nothing to do with the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with celebrating Easter. We celebrate Easter, amen? See, I'm not trying to get y'all to not celebrate Easter, not put up a Christmas tree, or not celebrate Christmas. I do all these things. I'm just trying to show you, where did all this stuff come into the church? I'll show you a great example of this. In the Baptist faith, in the fundamental Baptist faith, is this. They believe if you're a pastor, you need to be clean-shaven. And there's some churches, there's some churches that would not let me preach at their, at their church as long as I had this right here on there. And that was, that's how I've known it for years and years and years. Now, where did they get that idea from? It didn't out of the Bible, amen. amen. Jesus had a beard. They were plucking his beard. If you want a Bible preacher, he should have a beard. If you were talking about the Bible, these are just traditions, guys, that somebody comes up with and they start, and it just evolves into these type of things. All right, next week we're going to look at Satan's seat. Satan has a seat, and it's a political seat, and we'll look at that next week because we're right on time. Anybody have any questions?